Today on Blue 58, the Mike Daniels era in Green Bay is over. Was this a good call? Why or why not? And what led the Packers to this point? Let's try to answer those questions. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here. Now that we're actually in to training camp, I kind of remarked at the start of last episode that there wasn't a lot to have takes about. Well, that certainly has gone by the boards already. There's plenty to talk about here going into training camp. One day in, and the Packers are without one of their, I guess, somewhat assumed starting defensive linemen. Mike Daniels has been released, ending his time in Green Bay, coming in as a former fourth-round pick. 2012 to 2018 runs the Mike Daniels era. He finishes his career in Green Bay with just 29 sacks, 102 games played, 47 tackles for loss. Uh, He had uh, one touchdown as a rookie way back in 2012. The stat line never really captured what Mike Daniels did. It was all intensity, um, hustle, uh, loud mouth in the best possible way, and just kind of an in-your-face attitude that made him really fun to watch and I'm sure a big headache for members of opposing fan bases. Uh, He's kind of one of those guys that you're glad he's on your side. Well, he's no longer on our side anymore, quote-unquote. Uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming right now. Uh, This has been talked about in theory for some time, dating back. We've had conversations with some of you as far as early last season. Uh, What is the Mike Daniels future going to be like? Well, we know now it doesn't extend into 2019 as far as the Packers go. I want to take this entire episode and evaluate this decision. And this is kind of going to be the theme, I think, for our training camp episodes here. I don't want to spend episodes going over everything that's happened since the last episode that gets us a little bit bogged down if there's big stuff that emerges i want to try to talk about as much as of the big stuff as we can and do so kind of in depth and if nothing super big happens between episodes we'll just go deeper on a different topic so let's let's evaluate this decision i always like and i say this every time something like this comes up i always like to evaluate decisions in two parts you've got the decision itself you could say the result, uh, the end the end result of the, the decision, and then the thought process that led you to a particular decision. So let's talk about the move itself first before we dive into the background. First, the Packers decide to cut Mike Daniels. Why do this? Well, I think there are four, four main reasons. First, age and availability. Those kind of go together. Mike Daniels would have been heading into his age 30 season. Not optimal. He's only played in 24 of the last 32 games. Again, not optimal, and a lot of last year's missed time was due to a foot injury. That always concerns you first with big guys and then with older guys, so two strikes against him as well. He's declined in his snaps um, over the past couple seasons. He only played in 65%, or excuse me, he only played in more than 65% of the snaps in three of the 10 games in which he appeared last year. That follows a 2017 season where he played more than 70% of the snaps in eight of 14 games. Now, that could be viewed as a positive. Uh, Having him on the field less uh, means he could be more effective when he's out there, but that really wasn't the case for Daniels in 2018. He was on the field less and less less effective when he was out there. Second reason is just the expense. Uh, He was uh, carrying a $10 million cap hit in 2019, and the Packers are going to clear $8 million or so dollars in cap space to use on all kinds of other things. That one's pretty simple, right? 
We all understand that releasing players that are expensive clears up cap space that you can use on other players. It's easy to see why that's appealing. You've also got concerns as we move on to number three here about scheme fit, Daniel's overall usability, and his overall versatility. In his season opening news conference this week, Brian Gutekunst talked about his desire to create an overall versatile defense. And Mike Daniels is pretty much just a late down interior rusher at this point, uh, and an interior rusher only. They're not going to line him up on the end at all, pretty much. The Packers have shown a preference as well over the past couple seasons over for guys what, that I would call kind of position agnostic front seven types. Even Kenny Clark can play all over the formation. You're looking for long, lean, athletic guys who can start outside and bump inside on on later downs. That was the case with both Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith when the Packers signed them this this spring. That's what uh, Rashawn Gary can do. That's what Dean Lowry can do. Heck, even a guy like Fidal Brown, who came on late last season, kind of has that sort of game. He's not as big or as long or as tall as the other guys, but that's kind of what he does. He plays a little bit outside, a little bit inside. Even Dean Lowry, who is not particularly lean or long, especially in his arms, though he is 6'6", kind of fits that mold. He can do a little bit of everything because he has the versatility to do those things. Mike Daniels isn't quite that guy anymore, though he was earlier in his career. So you're wondering whether Mike Daniels can do the things that they want to do with their defensive linemen. And to me, I got to say, this is the weakest argument for a couple reasons. First, he can still do good things. ESPN rolled out a new pass rush win rate stat, basically measuring how how often you beat the guy across from you in pass rushing situations. And Mike Daniels was a top five player in that stat before his injury. He didn't end up finishing very high in the season, but because uh, he didn't qualify for snap counts, I believe, but he he did well last year. He was winning one-on-one matchups when given the chance to rush the passer. He also ended up fourth on the team in tackles for one yard or less on running plays, despite only playing in 10 games. Blake Martinez led the team with 19. Mike Daniels had 10. For comparison's sake, uh, Kenny Clark was up there with 16. Dean Lowry had 14. And uh, Tyler Lancaster and Mike Daniels only had 10 apiece. Uh, But 10 in 10 games is not too bad. Secondly, letting your scheme decide whether or not the players you have on your roster are worth keeping is not, I don't think, a good way to coach. If you've got a guy on your team, figure out a way how to use him. Don't just clear him out because there's something else you want to do. That seems like an inefficient use of resources. This was kind of always Dom Caper's problem, right? He always wanted to run his scheme a particular way, and it really limited the kind of players he could have. You could really only run it with veteran players who had been around a while, and the Packers were really set on acquiring young, cheap players and keeping their defense young and cheap. That really limited what Dom Capers could do. And I think limiting your scheme based on the schematic ideal that you have is kind of foolish. I think you're limiting yourself unnecessarily there. Still, that is a consideration as the Packers are building their roster overall. And if that's the direction they want to go, that's up to them, I suppose. It doesn't mean it's a good reason. It, it's, it can be a reason without being a good reason. Finally, you've just got a lot of other options available here. The defensive front is one of the Packers' deepest position groups. They've got Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, both of the Smiths, Rashawn Gary, Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams. And I'm lumping Rashawn Gary in there too because I think he's going to be more similar to a defensive end than an outside linebacker, but that's really in the way Mike Pettin does his defense, more of a, a distinction without a difference. That's why I'm lumping him in there. 
Anyway, all of these guys can do inside or outside rushing. So if you've got so many other options, it makes sense to see the oldest guy in that group being on the outs. It's just kind of a numbers game. You've got you've got a whole bunch of other guys who can who can do the things that you need from your defensive line group. However, as we transition to talking about the thought process behind cutting Mike Daniels, I become a little bit a bit skeptical here uh, because I think of what I see as the thinking behind the decision. All of these things are true about Mike Daniels. He is having issues with his increasing age and his availability. You can quibble on some of the details there, but you can't argue that he hasn't been hurt a lot over the last couple of years, and he's getting older. He is expensive. Uh, there are some questions about how he fits in the scheme, whether or not that's a good way to, to make your personnel decisions. And they do have a lot of other defensive line options. But while all those things are true, none of them to me add up to cutting Mike Daniels on July 24th. And we're going to come back to the date a lot, and here's why. All of these things have been true about Mike Daniels since about April. And if you've known all these things for so long, why cut him now? What's the tipping point there? If you tried to trade him and didn't find a trade market, what did you think was going to change between late April, mid-April, whenever the draft was, and now? You were really counting on somebody like getting hurt in minicamp? Or, I don't know. Uh, but somebody's going to have to change their opinion of Mike Daniels if you couldn't trade him back then, if you're trying to trade him now. That is kind of mystifying to me why then you would decide to, to cut him now when you can't really reap the benefits of, uh, of cutting him. But we'll get to that in a second. Second, cutting him now essentially means you've let the rest of the league set the price on your asset. And then you agreed with that price, which is a problem for me. Exploring a trade is one thing. Failing to trade a player is another. And giving up on a player entirely after failing to trade him is a third thing. That is a problem for me because third, players are assets. Assets to your football team, both on the field and as means to acquire other resources that you can use. Draft picks, other players, cap space. Mike Daniels has declined. That is for sure. But he's probably still better than a replacement level player when healthy. He's probably better than a guy you could just grab off the street. And that makes him a, a valuable asset to his to your team. Maybe not an asset with value to your team. Let's say it that way. Cutting him before training camp seems like you're selling extremely low on your asset. What's the incentive to give up on him right now? Because if you just look at it from a cap perspective, any benefits you've gained from releasing him aren't going to be realized really in the short term. Packers probably aren't going to do a whole lot of contract extensions in the near future for reasons we'll talk about in a second. And if they're waiting to roll that cap space over into next year, that's fine. But then again, why cut him now? You're just going to gain cap space anyway with him coming off your books. I would like to have a greater understanding of the thought process of trying to get out from under the Daniels contract now because it seems just like a contract dump and I'm not sure this is the time to do it. We'll circle back to that in a second. I've got some other thoughts here that I couldn't really categorize, and I would like to talk about them anyway. So let, let's dive into those and see, see where they take us. First, I think there is a part of this decision that comes down to non-defensive line reasons on your roster. It's tempting, I think, as media people, as fans, as, I guess, people who do most of their roster evaluation through the lens of something like Madden, 
to think of the uh, calculus here or the, the, the arithmetic here as sort of a one-to-one thing. You cut a defensive lineman, you need to add a defensive lineman. That's probably not the case. It's not just about the defensive line. And I think all of that, all of us kind of intuitively know that, but we kind of have to say it out loud. The Packers are almost certainly valuing Mike Daniels' roster spot is what, your number four defensive lineman if he's not a starter this year? He's probably your three or four defensive lineman versus, say, a number three safety if they're looking at a guy like Ibrahim Campbell, uh, another running back, offensive line depth, who knows? They're valuing those other positions against Mike Daniels and, and what he brings. And if you're comfortable with Tyler Lancaster being your number four defensive lineman or whoever it is, you can use that roster spot at a position where you're less comfortable with your depth. Again, I think that's something we all sort of intuitively understand. I just want to say it out loud just so we get it out there. Let's talk about cap space too. Um, Because the cap space in this move is not insignificant. You're gaining about $8 million. But the timing, again, cutting him on July 24th, nullifies your short-term gains. That's the, the thing... Then I always push back on people talking about cutting Brian Bulaga, like in training camp. You know, is Brian Bulaga going to make it out of camp? Well, maybe if he really stinks, he might. But other than that, there's really no reason to cut him because generating cap space in late July doesn't get you a whole lot. For the Packers, there are some other considerations there because they have deals coming up with Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, Blake Martinez, in order of importance, I think, more than uh, the order they're expiring. But Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari are both under contract through 2020. And the Packers probably shouldn't be paying cap-defining money to Blake Martinez. So I'm not really sure why you'd need to sign or to clear a bunch of space to sign a Martinez deal. They can, again, carry over cap space into next year. But again, why bother with releasing Mike Daniels now? If you were going to carry over the cap space anyway, why why don't you make this decision back in, in April or May? This one, finally, is one that I'm the least certain about, but I think it ties into a larger conversation people are having about this release, especially comparing it to past moves. It's something I'm calling the all-hat-no-cattle theory. For better or for worse, there's always been a lot of talk involved with the Mike Daniels experience. He's a big, bombastic guy. Well, he's a wide, bombastic guy. He's not very tall. Short joke against Mike Daniels. Probably uncalled for. Who cares? Anyway, I don't think it's impossible that this particular brand of leadership could have rubbed some people the wrong way, whether it's teammates or coaches or whoever, other people in the building. There have been incidents over time, too. In 2013, he comes in with Jerron McMillan, then a second-year safety, both announcing that they were going to be loud and vocal leaders on defense. Uh, Turns out at least one of them was not because Jerron McMillan didn't even make it through the 2013 season. Then you've got that unusual incident back in 2016 where Mike Daniels is heard screaming in the showers um, by reporters, asked about it later, gets a little bit surly, uh, just berating his teammates. And I think it's possible at least that that is the sort of leadership style that rubs people a little bit the wrong way. That kind of leadership style, though, is okay if you can back it up on the field. And I think as the returns diminished on the field, it's possible the juice may not be worth the squeeze anymore. And it's possible the team was leery of having a guy who talked a lot but didn't necessarily perform a lot on the roster. I don't have a lot of evidence for this, but I think there could be something, at least in theory, to it. 
This is kind of what we saw with Josh Sitton. Now, Sitton, of course, was a bit more of a malcontent than Mike Daniels ever has been. Daniels, though loud and brash and in your face, seems generally pretty good-natured. I don't think that's quite the case with Josh Sitton. And having a guy who is a little bit caustic in your locker room can be okay, but having him in a diminishing role, maybe somebody figured that's not quite what we're going for here. Again, I'm not sure how that factors into cutting him on July 24th, but uh, here we are. So, to sum it all up, was it a good idea to cut Mike Daniels right now? I think I'm landing a tad more on the no side than the yes side. That doesn't mean I under, don't understand it. I see what they're going for here. That I just don't think I 100% agree with what they're doing. Let's look at the results of the decision again. First, you get some cap space that you can't really use now. Then you have a less strong defensive line. That the Packers can weather the storm on the defensive line for now doesn't really make the decision to weaken the defensive line much different to me. Because if you're looking at this as a long-term decision, the Packers certainly are, the first day of training camp is as healthy as your team is ever going to be. So what happens if you start losing defensive line depth? We've always argued that you've got to be adding pieces here, not subtracting, uh, especially at these, uh, these high-volume sort of positions. What are you going to do if Kenny Clark goes down? Do you have a comparable player to him on the roster? Not really. There's only one Kenny Clark, but the most reasonable or the closest facsimile to him might be Mike Daniels. And he probably makes the other defensive linemen better in that situation. He might make them better than other options on the roster may be. That all having been said, let's just say this is a mistake. Let's just say cutting Mike Daniels turns out to be a poor decision. If you're going to make mistakes like that, July, July 24th, to hit on that date again, is the time to do something like that. It's like investing. Uh, Think of your team as an investment. You've got to manage your portfolio to mitigate risk over time. When do you want to be peaking with your team? When do you want to have your strongest possible team? The guys you know you can ride with into the playoffs. December and January, right? So if you're going to blow things up, if you're going to make unusual moves and figure things out, how you fill in for a guy like Mike Daniels in the long run, now is probably the time to do that. Now is probably the latest time you could do that and get away with it being a relatively risk-free decision. You've got plenty of time to figure out other holes or other ways to plug the hole left by Mike Daniels. You've got ways to figure out roles. You've got time to figure out those roles. And who tends to break down as seasons go on? Probably your older players. That's kind of what's happened with Mike Daniels over the past couple of seasons. He's run down a little bit as the season has gone on. Maybe that's the way that this timing makes sense. Maybe that's the way it makes the most sense. You're taking a risk now when you've got time to figure out how to overcome the risk you've made or the mistake you've made if it turns out that this was actually a mistake. Those are all the Mike Daniels thoughts I have. What do you think? Let me know. Uh, You can find us on social media, uh, wherever. The contact page at thepowersweep.com is also a great way to reach out. Let us know your thoughts. Speaking of making contact, I do appreciate each and every one of you who have chosen to reach out with uh, kind words and well wishes about the addition to our family. means a lot. Shared a few of them with with both the new co-host and my wife, who is doing very, very well. Um, And we appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I hear you. I read them, even if I haven't had a chance to respond to them all yet. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. It does mean 
a lot. So I've got for you on this episode. Uh, I hope you're enjoying training camp so far. This is going to go fast. It always does every year. Uh, buckle, buckle up and enjoy football season while it's here. I do appreciate everybody who takes the time to download and listen in. And if you liked what you've heard, take a second. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That is the best way to uh, to support the show. It helps more people find us. If you don't listen through an Apple product, see if you can rate us on whatever platform you do use. It's going to help more fe- more people find the show regardless. If you want to take your support to the next level, the best, most straightforward way to do that is to donate a dollar per month at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. One dollar per month is enough to offset our hosting costs for this show and for thepowersweep.com. And it shows that you value the content we produce, which also means a lot. Don't also forget to check out our great t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you have an idea for the show or just want to say hi, again, reach out at thepowersweep.com through social media or via email. Our address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out because every little bit of feedback, every thought, every question, every comment you make helps us improve the show and make it better, which furthers our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.